The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Hi, this is Harry Margolis with the Ask Harry Podcast. We're here to answer your estate planning questions and hear from experts in the field. Now I'm uh, changing gears myself a bit and uh, trying to do some writing for consumers to answer their questions. This is really a lot of the questions I've been answering for over 30 years in my office. Welcome to the Ask Harry podcast and welcome to the second episode of a special two-parter where Harry Margolis is the guest and the interviewer is your host, David Yaz. That's me from the Boston Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. And we're talking about Harry's book, which, by the way, is available on Amazon. It's called Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning. And we've uh, in last episode, Harry, we, we covered a lot of ground, which is which is great. Not nearly as much ground as is covered in the book, of course. Uh, please know that the book brings all of these these topics to life. But these are things that, um, as we discussed last time, a lot of people don't have an estate plan. They they put it off, and and yet the dangers are real. So let's continue to talk about some of the uh, matters here that people should be paying attention to. I've heard this term, and I, I, I know that I'm not sure what it is. It's called a holographic will. Can you tell us about that? And there's a, there's a story that kind of brings that to life in your book. Yeah, holographic will is really a handwritten will. And, uh, and it's uh, um, so any, and you might say, well, why you need a word? Why does it have to be typed? Um, and it's a good question. Uh, but in, in the case in the story, it was a handwritten will, which didn't meet all the requirements of a will. So it uh, didn't have witnesses and it wasn't notarized. And, uh, but what happened is um, early in my career, I was appointed conservator for a woman who um, appeared to be a bag bag lady, which was a term we used back in the in the day. Yeah. Um, so she was found on the streets and uh, somewhat confused and carrying her all what we thought were all of her possessions in her uh, in her bags. Yeah. And uh, she was hospitalized, and uh, they found me, and I became her conservator. And we learned uh, that sh- she wasn't impoverished. Hmm. That she actually had an, a, an apartment uh, near the Prudential Center hmm. in one of the, those nice apartment buildings. And um, and I went through the apartment, found that she had uh, uh, several hundred thousand dollars in savings accounts um, at the time. Wow. Um, interest rates were such. I, actually, I think they were in checking accounts, and so the interest rates were such I could make kind of cover my fee just by moving the accounts to savings accounts that right. paid better interest. And uh, she was placed in a nursing home, and we uh, started clearing out her apartment, and I found a day diary where, which was pretty, pretty much empty, a little book, but leafing through it on one page, I found that she had handwritten L, W, and T for last will and testament. I give my entire estate to the Boston Athenaeum. Wow. And uh, she signed it. But of course, so that's a holographic will, mm-hmm. but it is, as I said, didn't meet the requirements of a will because it wasn't witnessed. So we went to court. So I went to court yeah. and uh, asked the court for permission to place her savings into a trust that would be payable to the Boston Athenaeum at her death. Whatever. Now, were there, uh, were there people objecting to this? Or did well, she there, have any family? Or? Well, so I hired a genealogy serv- service mm. to, to try to find out. And, um, and they didn't find anyone, or at least that's what they told me. Mm-hmm. They told me that uh, her parents both had a, um, a lot of uh, 
a lot of siblings um, on both sides, but that um, but they but none of her none of her aunts and uncles were alive, and they weren't able to trace any cousins. Wow. Did you learn anything else like as to why she had become, I mean, you said she appeared to be essentially a homeless person. Yeah. Was, did she have mental, mental illness or something? I, that think kind of led to that? I think it was just dementia that okay. had developed. Yeah. Um, but the people at the Boston Athenaeum actually knew her. So she had been a oh, member. Okay. So the Boston, if you don't know, Boston Athenaeum is, is this old um, institution in Boston that uh, it's a private library right near the state house. Mm-hmm. And it actually, the the mass the the uh, Museum of Fine Arts originated at the Boston Athenaeum is actually an offshoot of it. Mm-hmm. At some point, they uh, they had artwork and they uh, they started this separate organization that uh, grew into the MFA. Wow. Um, so so um, I pay, I took we cleared, cleared out our apartment. We set up the trust. We um, and we paid her bills at the nursing home. And then after a few years, she passed away. And uh, to my surprise, all of a sudden, um, I got notice that someone had filed for probate and right. that he was representing some cousins and mm. uh, of hers. And um, and so I called the genealogy service and said, what's going on? Why didn't you tell me about these cousins? Mm. And I got kind of weird responses and non-responses, and I kept pushing. Mm. And finally, I figured out that they had found these cousins and not told me And when she died, they had a lawyer get in touch with them and say, "Um, there's some money out there. If if I can get it for you, will you split it with me? Oh, boy. So it was quite corrupt. Yeah. Um, But once we were able to figure that out. But there were actual cousins. There were actual cousins. Um, But uh, once we figured this out, uh, we were able to, we paid paid them off a small amount just for the nuisance factor. To settle it, yeah. Yeah, And and, uh, 90% of the money still went to the Boston Athenaeum. Which was her, which was apparently her wishes. Which yeah, is, which is great. And from the sound of things, I mean, it's kind of a sad story. But I guess the happy part of the story is the people at the Athenaeum, you know, were friends with her, and so and uh, you, you'd like to imagine that that was her decision. That the, the people who provided kindness in her life were the ones who benefited. Yeah, I think it was her decision. Yeah. Um, let's talk about another thing that's been in the news recently. You, you can't um, go more than a month or so without hearing a story about uh, computer hacking. And this is the world we live in now with digital payments and digital everything. And, mm-hmm. and, and we, we seldom pause to worry, um, although when the subject comes up, perhaps we do worry mm-hmm. that, that the, the system, is, if the whole system is hackable, then how is our money safe? And I imagine that, you know, we hear about the story about the Russian trolls who used hacking to influence our elections and all that. Um, but we all have digital assets now. So when it comes to an estate plan, that must come up. And how do you how do you factor that in? So you can only factor it in as it turns out to some extent. So our powers of attorney and our wills now have provisions in them giving the person you appoint or your personal representative uh, power over your digital assets. Um, and uh, we also talk to clients about taking uh, some steps to um, to protect their, ass- their, their digital assets through um, using uh, 
strong codes mm-hmm. um, and through um, and uh, there's services such as lastpass.com to help people remember their passwords so uh, wow so that's I could use that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so th- those are important and then you can share one password with a, a family member or the person you'd appoint mm-hmm. to get into LastPass oh, okay. and, and so you can it's a way to keep strong codes and, and, and not have to keep track of them all um, but but I was surprised to learn um, learn something in this respect. So I thought, well, if I, if if um, if someone has the same rights you do under the power of attorney or as your executor um, to access your digital assets, that should cover everything. Right. But doesn't, because the reality is, uh, for the most part, your rights to your digital assets are not governed by law but by contract. Mm. So you know all those uh, whenever whenever you sign on to a new account, you you uh, check a box saying you've read this agreement and you agree to it. I understand the terms above. Yeah, we right. all. You, you, it won't let you go to the next screen unless you check that box. So, so. You, so you check the box. Yeah. And uh, but if you look at the agreement, that says who has access. Right. And uh, who you can give access to, and if it, it doesn't include your personal representative or your attorney, in fact, they might not have access. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so that said, um, there's some ways around that. Now, some, uh, a number of sites now have finally thought this through, and you can name somebody um, on the site to mm-hmm. uh, step in for you. So Facebook has that. Google oh, has wow. that. I don't so, think. Mo- I think most people don't know that. No, I and I don't think they do yeah. that. So you have to search a little, but you can find that, and you can name basically an agent, and they might have. They might not have total access. Um, but they have a lot of access. And the other thing is you can, in effect, violate the, the, the contract that you sign, that agreement, mm-hmm. because if you give somebody your, um, your password and your username, of course, they have access just like you do. Right. And they and can just go in, yeah. They can just go in. So if uh, the person you trust has access, um, they can go in and do what they need to do. And we talked about having a revocable trust as a way to give a your children perhaps access to your accounts if necessary. You can also give them your username and password so they have online access. Yeah. And they can still monitor things or pay your bills online if they need to. Um, even without the formal documents. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a workaround, but it's an important workaround. We've got time for maybe a couple more questions, Harry. We're never going to possibly cover everything that you cover in the book, which I'll remind our listeners one more time, Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning, available on Amazon. But let me hit maybe two quick topics that were of interest to me. One, it fascinates me that some people want to leave money to their pets. Mm-hmm. And so, I I mean, I look at these, you know, cats and dogs running around and I, I, they don't seem to have this look in their eyes like, hey, make sure I'm in the will. Make sure you put me down for a hundred grand or something. So, do people really do this? And, and what's, yeah. what's that all about? Well, of course, there's the, the famous case of Leona Helmsley who oh, yeah. tried to leave a lot of money to her dog. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you can do it through a, through a pet trust. Mm-hmm. And it seems that um, people who don't have kids are much more likely to want to do this. They, number one, they might not have somebody um, who they know will take care of the pet if, if the pet survives them. But two, the pet has uh, kind of, they love them as much as they would love a kid. Sure. And they want to take care of them. So, so it can be important to set up a pet trust uh, to pay expenses, as, as those of us with, with pets know. Uh, vet bills can get pretty high. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you, on the one hand, you don't want to burden someone else with those costs, and you want to make sure your pet's taken care of, and you want to 
name the person who's going to do that. Yeah. So pet trust can be very important. Um, and you, then you have to think about, do you want to compensate the person as well? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something to work out. And it's I take it, yeah, case. and I take it with a pet, it's not the same situation as with a child in that if uh, a child has a medical emergency, you, you wouldn't worry that necessarily. I mean, of course, we all worry about that sort of thing. But with, with that sort of thing, it will get taken care of. There will be an emergency room to treat the poor person. With the, with the pet, I take it, they and I'm not a dog cat person. I don't know, but I take it there's a lot of elective um, kind of procedures that could that could really keep the pet alive that that might otherwise not be done. Is that right? Right, and yeah. I think and, and every pet owner's make a different decision. Right, right. But uh, about uh, the the cost of the care versus the uh, the enjoyment of life that yeah. the pet seems to be having. But of course, you can't talk to the pet about that. That's right. <laughs> well, you can, but I don't think you're going to get too much back in return. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, to end on sort of a noble note, let's talk about charity for just a couple mm-hmm. minutes. And what, how should people think about that? Because it can be a boon, I take it, to your plan to leave money to charity. There are laws in place that encourage us to do so for obvious reasons. How should people think of that, about that as part of the picture? Well, first of all, I think they should think about it. Um, and, a, <laughs> right. and a lot not of people, everybody does. Yeah, yeah not everybody does. Um, and when we bring it up with clients, I'd say... Uh, at least 80% say, well, I don't want to include anything in my estate plan. I, mm-hmm. I, I, whatever I do, I'll, I'll do during my life. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, and it depends on, and of course, people with more money, to some extent, are more likely to, 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 to give, um, give to charity just because they know their children are going to get enough. Um, though, now that I say that, I, I do have a lot of people with uh, less money who want to give something to charity. It just might not be as large amounts. Yeah, even if it's a gesture, right? Right, yeah. it's yeah. a gesture, but some, if, if it matters to them. Um, more people include charities as in, in what we call the disaster clause. Mm-hmm. So kind of, well, what if, um, what if my children and grandchildren uh, don't survive me? Mm. Then where should it go? Yeah. And uh, rather than to distant relatives, they'd like it to go to charity. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'd say people should think about it. Um, there are always tax issues, um, gifts to charity during life. Um, you get a, you get an income tax deduction, but but fewer and fewer people with the new tax code um, are given enough to uh, to justify itemizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you are itemizing, you can get that deduction. A, if you have a taxable estate, charitable gifts in your state uh, uh, mean a reduction in your estate tax. Now, in Massachusetts, the threshold for an estate tax is a million dollars. So if you have more than a million, you can save some money by uh, giving to charity. But um, federally, uh, it's 11.4 million this year. So there aren't too many, probably not too many people, many of the listeners have federally taxable estates. Right, right, right. So um, thank you, Harry. Thanks for spending some time talking about this. And once again, the book, Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning. And this is, I take it, Harry, written in a way that the, the so for lack of a better word, the layperson can understand. This, That's this my is, hope. Yeah, so this is not one of your boring legal treatises. There are lots of great examples and uh, ways, things, little tips you can pick up in starting to think about your plan. And now is the time, baby boomers. So check it out. The, the book's available on Amazon. And um, so any final thoughts about the book, Aaron? Buy the book, right? Buy the book. Buy the book. Um, we hope it'll help. And if you still have questions, go to askharry.info and I'll do my best to answer them. 
Terrific. And thanks for joining us on the Ask Harry podcast. Thanks for listening. Harry mentioned his website. I'd also encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and check out uh, all the, the past episodes there. And we look forward to talking to you on a future episode. Thanks so much.